Welcome to Junior High. This is a podcast. I don't know why I always say this is a podcast, but it's just the truth. That's what this is. Um, I want to start this episode with a story. I promise it's relevant to the title of this episode. If you tuned in because you saw the title and you thought that's a part of the zeitgeist. Wow. She's really on her shit. Yeah, we are. We're on our shit today. Jupiter's in Capricorn or whatever. Um, okay. <laughs> I want to start this week's episode with a story. So a couple weeks ago, um, a man came to my door in Brooklyn and he started talking to me about air pollution and climate change and like lowering my energy bill. Um, and I had originally assumed he was maybe with like a nonprofit or something, but then he told me that he worked with Con Ed and that they were knocking on doors to ensure that everyone's systems were up to date. And I was like, oh, okay, like that seems normal, I guess. Like I don't, I mean, I'm looking around at my street, like seeing if there's anyone else and I can't see anyone else that's with him. But like I just took his word for it. And he was saying a lot of words very quickly, something about a survey I was supposed to have gotten in the mail and I never got a survey. So I was confused. And then he told me that I would know what he was talking about if I had taken the survey like I was supposed to. And I was like, okay, you are coming to my door and attacking me for not taking your survey. I'm confused, but I, yeah, I didn't know. I was, I was just like, this person's at my door. I don't know what to do. Like, I'll just listen to him, I guess. IDK. And, but immediately like my intuition bells, alarm bells were going off about this guy. Something just felt off. Um, the way that he was condescending to me about climate change which happens to be a topic that I know a lot about and I was like kind of nodding along and he was like yeah you seem like a smart person and I was like yeah fuck you like stop stop like he was like so when you burn fossil fuels it creates and I'm like literally fuck off okay (laughs) and but he was talking so fast and I could barely keep up with what he was saying And suddenly I'm like on the phone with some dispatcher from his company giving my like con ed account number and agreeing to terms and conditions I hadn't even seen. It was just happening so quickly and I was (laughs) overwhelmed and I didn't know what to do. I think I should maybe note that for many years I was a very good student of what I'm going to call toxic femininity. Um, From a young age... You know, I went to a quote-unquote progressive private all-girls school. You know, I had a good education, but still I diligently had internalized the behaviors expected of women. Compliance, obedience, passivity, silence, um, in, in, in certain ways, especially with men. Um, and so this guy's at my door, and I think I immediately sort of went into like a, I better be good and just like let him talk down to me and you know not question him and I almost was like as long as I go along with what he's saying and just nod and smile he'll go away and that's really what I wanted so that was what the tactic I was using uh can't say it worked I am embarrassed uh to admit that those behaviors were on full display and got me into, you know, a situation where I was signing up for a service that I didn't even know that I was signing up for. And I was feeling like I couldn't, 
ask questions. It was just, I felt like my discernment was being trampled on, like the pack of hyenas and the Lion King. And what was left was a grown woman who was giving her power away, literally, because I was too afraid to say no or to stand up for myself. So eventually he left, finally, after I acquiesced to his demands and basically signed up for his service. I then learned immediately that he did not work for Con Ed. He worked for what is known as an energy service company or an ESCO. And the company, ironically, is called Empower Energy. Empower Energy. <laughs> Universe is always sending us little messages in the names of things. It's ironic because I did not feel empowered <laughs> by this interaction. I felt manipulated. I felt scammed. I learned on the internet that they pretend, I think, that they are like green energy companies. I mean, it says that they're a green energy company if you look it up online. But I was like on Reddit threads and stuff and people were talking about how it's like unclear where their energy actually comes from. I, I still don't really know how it works, honestly. And it's funny that I talk about myself as someone who's an expert in climate shit when like I don't even know how basic utilities work. But basically, I learned that I was bamboozled. <laughs> we know. We know the job rule tweet. Into signing up for something that was going to cost me a lot of money in the end and was going to be unclear whether or not it would actually make an environmental impact, whether or not this energy is actually coming from renewable sources. Um, and look, I don't know. I mean, maybe they, maybe it does, but that's not even the point. The point was the tactics were fucking shady as hell, manipulative. He kept telling me to sign these terms and conditions that I had not even seen. And I, I got mad at him and I was like, I have not seen the terms and conditions. And he was like, look, I showed them to you. They're right here. And I was like, you're literally showing me scribbles on a page. Um, and so I was really worked up after this. I was, <laughs> I felt really angry that this person had come into my home, disrupted my life and sold me a bill of goods and that they had succeeded. I was angry that they had succeeded and, and I, ultimately underneath the anger was feeling just deep shame around being scammed and being tricked and hustled, bamboozled, led astray. And anytime I feel a lot of deep shame around something, I have to sit with it and question it and interrogate it a lot because as a student of Brene Brown, we know that Shame really has no function. Um, it doesn't actually help anything. It doesn't do much. It just makes you feel like shit. And it doesn't really inspire change. It actually like makes you, it just, it basically only functions to make you feel bad. And I was thinking about it. Um, and I actually ended up recording like a whole podcast in the immediate aftermath, which I still haven't even listened to. I'm sure it's garbage as this one will be, I assume. Um, I was thinking about the shame that I was experiencing because one of the things that I am most proud of about myself, that I most like about myself, is my open-mindedness, my openness to others, um, just being able to see 
multiple different perspectives on things and just generally not being closed off. Um, there was a long period in my life that I was very closed off. and But I do think it's my natural state to be more open. Um, and so, you know, of course, my immediate response was, well, I guess that I had to be I guess I have to be closed off. You know, I guess I can't trust anyone or whatever, which I don't even think is a helpful response. But I was sort of this pendulum was swinging in that direction. And I was just thinking about it. And I was thinking about it in the context of what I have noticed in the past maybe like five years or so as a cultural obsession with cults, multi-level marketing schemes and scams, um, con artists you know, Elizabeth Holmes, Billy McFarland and Firefest. you know, we, we all watched two documentaries about Firefest. We had a podcast, a book, a documentary about Elizabeth Holmes. We had two separate docu-series about Nexium and Keith Ranieri. There's Wild Wild Country, Children of God, Mormonism, um, Caroline Calloway, who, by the way, is kind of just living her life, but like people insisted on calling her a scammer because she like had a failed event, you know, like when she's just, she just has people who like following her and like, you know, buy her art if you want to. Like she's, I feel like she, we can just let her live. I I just feel like we can let her live and like paint her walls and floors white and just kind of let her exist. And that's, I'm not just saying that because I want to have her on the podcast someday. So don't, (laughs) don't at me. Um, the other day I saw that there was a new documentary out docu-series four part on Amazon Prime called Lula Rich. It's about the company Lula Row and people were talking about it. And I always try to ask myself, like, what would the highest purpose of this experience be or this situation? Um, and I started to ask I started to ask myself that with the scammer stuff. I was like, okay, why are we so drawn to these stories and if if these stories were meant to assist with our collective ascension how would they be functioning how would they be doing that and the theory that i came up with was maybe we are attracted to stories about cults and we want to understand them because subconsciously we already know that we are in one Do you remember being five years old and being made to recite the Pledge of Allegiance every morning with your hand on your heart, staring at the flag? Do you remember that? Do you remember being six, seven, eight, nine and doing that every day, every morning? And so I just started thinking about the United States as a cult and capitalism as a pyramid scheme. (laughs) I mean, because think about it. Just humor me for one second. Humor me for one second about this. You have many people at the bottom, few people at the top. The exorbitant wealth of the few people at the top depends inextricably on the continued ongoing labor of those at the bottom, which itself is underpinned by a myth that the people at the bottom could potentially achieve if they work hard enough 
the wealth of those at the top, even though that is a, a patent lie that is mathematically impossible. So Lula Rich is the name of the documentary. It's on Amazon Prime. It's four episodes. I watched it all last night. So, but I'll explain what it is. Lula Rowe was, slash is, I, it does still exist, a clothing company that was started by this woman, Deanne, who I did not um, commit her last name to memory, although it was amazing within the first like 10 minutes of the episode, you learned that her maiden name was Startup, which I was obsessed with. Um, she decided that maxi skirts... <laughs> she discovered maxi skirts and her life was changed forever because she was able to sell them really fast. And at first she was creating, they were creating like apparently good product. I mean, the leggings are hideous. The maxi skirts are hideous. The dresses are hideous and all of the items are hideous and they always have been. But apparently at, the, at first they were good quality. And at first it was actually about the product which is interesting. Like it's an interesting origin story. Like I actually don't think that they meant to do everything that they did. Like I, I feel like at first they just grew exponentially because I think that they're just stupid. I mean, maybe, maybe not. The, the, the husband is very horrible and everything about him was bad vibes, but the wife also bad, but maybe just stupid question mark <laughs> I don't know I'm curious to get anyone's thoughts whoever wants to talk to me about this um but they start this company and they realize that they can sell wholesale to quote-unquote retailers who are just stay-at-home moms who want to bring in some income and then they can sell it for a profit and everyone goes home with money that's great um but pretty soon the business model became recruit, 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 which is when you know that it's a pyramid scheme, <laughs> when it's you're making more money from the commissions that you get from recruits than you are from the actual product. And it becomes not about the product anymore. It's about just like the story and the selling, the selling of the dream. And of course, viewed on the macro level of our country being a, um, a scam and capitalism being a pyramid scheme, um, our mythos that has been sold to us is the American dream. The idea that anyone, if they just work hard enough, pull themselves up by their bootstraps and they can make it to the top two, which obviously isn't true. Also, can I just say none of the things that I'm saying right now are at all original ideas. Like I understand these, we know this, but I'm just drawing a comparison. I'm just drawing a parallel between something that is in the zeitgeist and something that I personally believe as a human person. So that's just something I want to say. So the story goes as all of these stories go. The company grew until it couldn't sustain itself and they couldn't make the product. And then the best part is obviously watching the collapse because it's so funny. The collapse is always funny. And yeah, it sucks and is sad, but don't forget that it is always funny. And <laughs> I think that we, as we witness the collapse of our society, um, c could do, you know, a better job of 
focusing on how this is hilarious that we are living at this time. So, I mean, what was funny, the most funny about it is that the leggings started to arrive. (laughs) Some of them came wet or like there would be one pair of leggings in the box that was just like soaking wet. (laughs) And then like patterns started to look phallic where there would be, there there would be like pineapple in the crotch that looked like a dick or like hamburgers that looked like vaginas and like the whole pattern just looked like vaginas um it is so funny and perfect it reminded me like I feel like we have had some versions of this um like the Suez Canal be like I feel like was the thing that came to mind for me of just like this is getting really ridiculous like we can't get this boat out of a canal and like economies are suffering (laughs) So another quick thing is that towards the end, we're talking episode four, Collapse Energy. Um, They cut to a lot of the different retailers talking about the quote-unquote great exodus, um, which is when everyone left. The entire structure collapses when the people opt out. And so it's funny, the great exodus is what the terminology that they used, um, but we have been having the great resignation where people are just quitting their jobs and they don't have shit lined up they don't know what they're doing but they're quitting and there's a clear parallel here between pyramid schemes and it's interesting too like the way that these people will never be held accountable because everything that they're doing is perfectly legal it's it just goes to show I mean, it's the same thing with like police brutality. It's like, well, these are the people who are supposed to be enforcing the laws. So, but they're the ones killing people, question mark. Like, uh, wait, excuse, like, but that doesn't, how does, how does any of this work then? Like, (laughs) you know, like it's, it doesn't make sense. The systems, everyone's like, the systems aren't broken. They're running exactly how they're supposed to. And it's like, well, not really because we were told that it was liberty and justice for all. We were told that. And so they are running counter to what we thought that they were supposed to do and to what we have been programmed to believe that they do. Oh, okay. This is what I want to talk about too. I wonder sometimes about our relationships with pieces of media like Lula Rich, for example okay, how do we hack this trend to make it something that is helpful with our collective ascension, with our collective awakening to leaving these systems and letting them crumble? And I think that this is a timeline. This this is, sorry, I don't want to like get in talking jargon shit. I'm always like, this is the timeline we should go on. It's like people don't know, people don't want to talk like that. (laughs) Not everyone wants to say this is the timeline. Um, (laughs) I think that there's a way that we make these things help us. There's a way that we let these things help us with our awakening. And one thing I have noticed in my own relationship with documentaries like these these exposés used to have a level of schadenfreude to them, which I did look up the exact definition of it, which I will pull up here. 
pleasure derived by someone from another person's misfortune. Okay. So I would say for me, my schadenfreude, (laughs) I feel weird pronouncing it that way, but whatever, um, kind of peaked at Firefest because damn, was that fun to make fun of those kids. (laughs) I mean, they spent so much money just because they saw a picture of Kendall Jenner on a yacht. It was gorgeous. I think perfectly executed, 10 out of 10, would not, no notes, Um, wouldn't change a thing. But a lot of these other ones, the cults, especially when there's violence and, and sexual assault involved, they're just sad. And I'm very quick to say that that would never happen to me. I am very quick to otherize the victims feeling pity for them not feeling their suffering with them because i think we have a collective fear around being scammed none of us wants to believe that we have been the victim none of us wants to believe that we could ever fall prey when it's so fucking easy for people to do it but i also think paradoxically the acknowledgement that of your own victimhood um can also lead to the realization of your own involvement in the perpetuating of these things, um, your own culpability in upholding the very thing that victimized you. One of the um, women who interviewed, who was interviewed for this Lula Road documentary, notes at the end this grave realization that she had. The realization, she said, that I had been a part of it. I had been predatory. And I think that that is the next phase of this, is, you know, realizing that we are both the victims and the perpetrators of our own systems, and which means that at any point in time, we can opt out because no one forced us into this. Like, we were told and we were coerced, but we chose. And I'm not just talking about capitalism anymore. We're talking patriarchy. We're talking racism. We're talking homophobia. We're talking all of it. So, I just want to end on something because I think we develop such a fear of falling victim to these things that we just decide that the entire all of it is garbage without really grabbing onto the nuance of it which is like people fall victim to this stuff because there's truth in it you know i think nexium was a good example of this like there were so many things in like the beginning episodes of the vow that i was like i believe that like i believe some of this shit i believe in all of us being empowered, you know, each of us having our own authority. It's ironic that a lot of these cults start off talking about that, but then immediately ask and demand that you give them your authority when they were just teaching you about how your authority is your own and not anyone's to take from you. So after this incident in my home, I felt like I really needed to start closing myself off and being more like I was mentioning, the pendulum had swung to this other direction where I was like, well, I don't ever want to answer the door ever again. I'm never going to answer the door again. And then I was like, but what if it's a package? You know, what if it's something I ordered? 
I feel like we need to find a balance because right now, sometimes in certain pockets of the world and our country, I feel like everyone is so closed off. And like I live in New York City, you know, where nobody makes eye contact. (laughs) And maybe we aren't ready for this. Are we ready for this? Unity consciousness? I don't know. We could talk about it. I want to talk about unity consciousness at some point. Like I think certain certain of the more complicated it's not even complicated it's just that we are all one and that everyone is everything and like you and the person walking by you on the street are one in the same and not in a codependent way not in like a I need to latch on to this person way but in a we are all parts of a whole you know each one of us is an atom in a molecule in a cell or whatever is that how biology is (laughs) is that the things are those like the building blocks atom molecule cell no i don't think that's right but um (laughs) maybe (laughs) so when we see the people being scammed it's actually just an alert to find the place in ourselves that we are being scammed you know no one's going to get this. Is anyone? Maybe there's whoever wants to talk about this shit. We could talk about it. I'm not very good at articulating it, which is funny because I have a podcast where I want to do that. But, um, you know, we're all just learning how to do better at our jobs. <laughs> so don't let the fear of being scammed or looking stupid prevent you from engaging in the unseen realms, you know, Cultivate your discernment and don't let it get trampled when it's begging to be heard. Um, okay, was this a podcast episode? Like, I don't even know. This was a rambling, rambling stream of consciousness. So I hope that it was enjoyable for you. I am going to sign off now. Um, but thank you for joining and I will see you next time.